Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Halitech Hall. How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, we, I am double A, A-A-R-O-N-T-O-R on Twitter. We, of course, have Mr. Michael Halitech, and he is Texter420 on Twitter, of course, and you can also follow our show, Halitech Hall, on Twitter. Uh, we are back for another episode. I was out of town, and uh, Mr. Halitech held it down uh, admirably in my absence, so I appreciate that. And we are going to start off right off the bat with one of our uh, favorite recurring guests. Uh, he is Lester Will Fong from Windy City Gridiron. Good morning, Lester. How are you? Doing good, fellas. How you doing? Doing great, Lester. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, we we kind of preceded this on Twitter by saying it. usually this is a kind of a dead time of the year, but here at the hall, we've got so much that we're doing, uh, and you get to lead us off right before the uh, combine. So uh, nice. welcome aboard, man. Good, good. Glad to be here. You know, we had we were just two weeks removed from the from the Super Bowl, and of course. Uh, the biggest rumors out there is when you you take a look at the quarterbacks that are scheduled to be free agents in March, and I'm going to list them for a minute. Uh, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, and Case Keenum are all slated to hit the uh, market uh, here in about five weeks. And there have been stories about the Bears going after every single quarterback on this list. And now most, most recently, uh, there are rumors out there that the Bears are shopping none other than 50 deuce uh, to either Cincinnati or Washington for a package to move up into the first two rounds of the draft. Uh, Lester, let's, why don't we start with the, with the rumors? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't buy the rumors at all. I mean, it's it's possible that that, such, that, that a GM could have called Pace and and gave him a few options. And of course, Pace, as a good GM, would would listen and do his due diligence. But you know, I just don't put anything anything to those rumors at all. I mean, it's this is the time of year where people on Twitter or social media they try and posture like they have some actual sources. They'll throw stuff out there and they hope to get some traction. And honestly. You know, the, the guy that started that rumor, you kind of look through his timeline, and it's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that's questionable to say the least. So I'm not sure if there's any, any truth to that at all. Yeah, I gotta I gotta piggyback on that, Lester. That that guy, I'm not even gonna mention him because I feel like Bears Twitter has been giving him way too much attention. <laughs> um, 
he, he's, he's, it's a joke. It's absolutely a joke. None of this stuff is real. I mean, like you said, sure, uh, ideas get thrown out there, but the idea that the Bears would trade Khalil Mack after restructuring his contract, they, not only would it be an absolute morale killer, it would be an absolute like death knell to that defense. You, you're you're going to tell Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson that you traded Khalil Mack? Like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. But the way that they've structured his contract now, the Bears would be on the hook for so much money. Like, it, it, there's not a trade out there that would make any sense. Like, unless you were to get, like, Aaron Donald or something, which would never happen. Like, this guy is, is the most Bush League rumor-mongering hack. Like, he's, <laughs> he's, he's tagging players. He's tagging the teams in all of his tweets. Like, it's just it just shows you the 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 veracity of Bears Twitter, you know. When we have nothing to do, we just jump on these things. And and it's you know on his part, I mean, he's gotten a lot of attention. So I guess I guess that's what you want, right? I mean, it's gotten picked up by all these different outlets and run as a sub story or you know a different story. And and all of a sudden this guy you know uh, it acts like he's somebody, but there's just no I mean there's just no way. Like it, that's about the most ridiculous thing you know that that you could possibly think of uh to do for the bears for a number of reasons and you know i mean i just i i keep putting out there like stop giving this guy attention this guy has eleven thousand followers and and you look through his timeline he has no engagement no interaction nothing until bears twitter and the other teams which you know aren't as you know active as our fan base started picking it up and then all of a sudden it's SI now it's NBC Sports Chicago it's this that and the other and it's just it's just clickbait it's like TMZ sports news so I, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't even I don't even entertain this guy. I'm, not, I'm not tagging him I'm not I'm not quote tweeting him any of that yeah this this is the time of year for that and, and definitely yeah. if there are some some rumors that come up I mean that's something that, that, that we'll for sure cover it at, at, at Windy City Gridiron but honestly a lot of the stuff if we do write about it at Windy City Gridiron from a, a source like this we kind of do it more like you know you guys don't buy this shit do you and it's, it's one of those things it's like come on guys you guys got to be smarter than this right um yeah it's it, it's 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 fun to talk about as fans you know because it's, it's this is the time of year I mean it's all rumors it's all speculation it's all you know what could our team do next so if there's something out there that we think is valid, that's something that we'll try and cover. But in the same token, we know, everyone knows, some of the stuff is just made up. Absolutely. Lester, between you and your staff, I'm sure you've got guys that have their ears to the rail. Uh, do you, what do you hear that's you know coming out of Hallis Hall or, or through some sources that uh, uh, have a lot more credibility. You know, I, I can see right now that everything's kind of quiet. I mean, everything out there is all speculation. You know, the the, the only stuff that, that I'm hearing from anyone, you know, that that I that I trust and believe is that you know the Bears are definitely going to look for a quarterback, and that's but that's that's pretty much common sense. I mean, the Bears have to upgrade the position. You know, they, of course, they would love Mitch Trubisky to be the man. Um, I would love him to be the man. I think he's a great kid. I think he works really hard, but it just didn't work out last year. He regressed for whatever reason. So the Bears have to have a better plan in place, and Chase Daniel is not it. Uh, it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. It's going to be someone else. It's going to be possibly a, a rookie as well. They have to rework the entire quarterback room. So that's definitely on the horizon here for the Bears. 
Yeah, speaking of quarterback, this is a perfect segue to move us into what we have discovered is kind of an enjoyable pastime to, to watch, and that is the second coming of the XFL. And there was a quarterback that uh, really shone brightly this weekend. It was Houston Roughnecks quarterback, P.J. Walker, throwing for almost 300 yeah. yards and four touchdowns with a QB rating of almost 104. Yeah, I believe he was the XFL player of the week. I just saw there recently, and I, I, did, I did see a little bit of his highlights. And, you know, the last time the XFL came around, you know, there were a, a, a quarterback, uh, uh, Tommy Maddox. He kind of turned that into a, a nice career back in the NFL for himself. So, you know, maybe the Bears and teams that are looking for quarterback are going to watch this league. And, yes, the competition is a lot lower. But at the end of the day, that's it's football reps. You get a chance to see these guys, you know, live. So who knows? One of these quarterbacks may end up in the NFL soon. One of the things that I really liked about the XFL this weekend were some of the interesting and, in fact, innovative rule changes uh, or new rules for for the XFL. Uh, and I wanted to get your your ideas on them. There were two rules in the kickoffs that I found fascinating, where the kicker lined up at the traditional 35-yard spot. But the rest of the kicking team was downfield, lined up at, at one yard line, and the entire team, other than the receiver for the receiving team, is lined up five yards behind them. The, and you have to kick the ball, and the ball has to get kicked beyond the 20 yard line. So the the players that are lined up on the on the yard lines can't move until the receiver touches the ball. And then secondly, if the ball isn't kicked beyond the 20-yard line, the the receiving team gets the ball on the other side of the 50 at the 45-yard line of the kicking team, leading to an immediate scoring opportunity. I, I, I thought those two rules in the kickoffs were, were pretty, pretty eye-opening. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I know when, when they first announced a lot of these rules, I, I, of course, I, I went through them all. And, and this is the, the kickoff rule is one that I really couldn't, I get hold of until I actually saw it happen take place. And it's weird. It's a weird looking uh, play. Um, but again, you know, it's all about trying to make things safer. Um, I think they're going to, the NFL and the XFL are going to monitor the actual, you know, the kickoff and how it works for the entire season. There'll be a bunch of data made up, I'm sure. And, you know, we'll see how the injuries take place. But I mean, I think right now it looks neat. It's kind of uh, interesting to kind of see how it goes. And like I said, the NFL is going to monitor it. And, you know, I'm not sure if any change that draft will come to the, to the, to the game we all know and love is in the NFL. Uh, but they got to make some changes to certain things. One of the other rule changes I thought was fascinating was the extra points. Aaron and I started talking about this off air before we brought you on. And it was, it was interesting that we didn't see a little bit more uh, going for the, the additional points that they could have had. So I'll, I'll set it up and let you and Aaron comment on it. After a touchdown, the traditional six point touchdown, the offense stays on the field. There is no kicking an extra point. You have the choice of lining up at either the two, the five, or the 10 yard line. An extra point from the two counts as one point, two points at the five yard line. And if you line up and convert from the 10 yard line, it's actually a three point play. So you have a possibility of scoring nine points on one touchdown. I thought that's a pretty interesting role. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, I Like I said, I was surprised that teams were not more aggressive. Um, also, back to the kickoff thing, I think, you know, what will be interesting to see is are teams able to sort of run any kind of different plays out of that? Because I did, I did sort of enjoy how it looked, but it didn't seem to lead to any kind of real returns. You know, um, like it, it didn't seem like they really were able to to turn it into much gains um, or have it, you know, but but in terms of the way that the NFL is going, the kickoff seems to be going the way of the dodo. So, you know, a lot of people were tweeting that maybe this type of innovation could be something that saves the kickoff, which I think ultimately would be good because, you know, kickoffs are, are still an exciting part of football. But as far as the extra points go, I mean, I, I think teams were being surprisingly conservative, um, but I guess when you think about it, you know, you, you see in the NFL how hard it is actually to score from the 10. Teams actually seem to do better between the, you know, the 15 and the 20 putting into the end zone than they do once everything's kind of, um, you know, backed up and, and all the defense, you know, the defense tends to have an advantage because they're just covering less less space and they can use the back of the end zone sort of as a uh, so it seemed like you know um, they you know they weren't really inclined to do that um, I, I thought in general the play was pretty good um, in in the league uh, you know it was fairly enjoyable I think they they were sort of lucky that the AAF kind of gave them like a beta test um, for yeah. a lot of things and so they were able to sort of see what worked and what didn't. Um, and I was actually surprised it was as straight ahead and kind of traditional as it was. I mean, they also have one foot uh, as a reception. Um, they're also allowing force outs, but I thought, you know, that they would go more extreme, you know, um, and kind of more wrestling. Uh, but they really seem to be angling, and I don't know if this is smart or not, but they, they really seem to be angling to kind of have a very – uh, standardized straight ahead league that could could possibly become uh, sort of like a developmental league for the NFL, which I think would be, you know, smart for them in their long term success. But I, I don't know if the NFL would ever, you know, adopt that. So I don't know. What, what did you think of the extra points and, and all that lesser? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, the, the cool thing about it is the, the XFL had their had their uh, mathematical department, I guess you want to call it. They actually made up a chart of when you should go for one, two, or three, depending on the, the situation and the, and the score and the time. And and all the head coaches, you know, pretty pretty much ignored that chart. So I think this is something that the XFL uh, is going to try and push to, to the coaches to try and you know make sure you go go by the chart. You know, try and go for two or three more often. Because it does, it adds some, a different a different level of excitement to the game, and they want to stand out, and they want to have things be a little more exciting, and, and having a chance to have nine points when you score a touchdown with that, you know, the, the three point extra point. I mean, that's that's a big plus for the uh, for the league. You know, another thing about the league, I think it's really cool. I, I I don't think the NFL will ever officially adopt it, um, but I do think it adds some longevity because you know, again, it's football, it's it's the spring. They understand their niche, and and one thing I didn't realize till recently is they actually have a ninth team which is not really a team that plays but it's just basically a, a, a full team full of practice players that they practice they stay ready for the entire season 
And then the XFL teams, the eight teams they have, they can call from those guys if there's an injury. So, so each team doesn't have an actual practice squad like in the NFL, but there's an actual ninth team. It's a full team that they practice in and, 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 and they stay in shape and wow. they're able to pull and they're able to pull from those guys if there's an injury. And then at some point, you know, I think it is like uh, the, the the midway point in the year, these these players on the ninth team are now put on actual rosters. And the rosters are extended, and then the ninth team reloads. So a bunch of a bunch of new faces go on that team. So I think it's kind of cool that they are uh, really embracing the the developmental aspect of football. The other thing too that I thought was cool is that the coaches, um, they they've done a good job of assembling these coaches. You know, you had uh, Hal Mummy, uh, the guy who invented the air raid offense with Bob Stoops, and then um, a lot of Bears fans were, of course, paying attention to Tressman um, and his, you know, his offensive coordinator is Jerry Glanville, and then you've got, you know, Kevin Gilbride Sr. as one of the um, coaches and Pep Hamilton and um, you know and of course as as Bears Twitter is want to do we're we're fixated on the ex Bears um, you know whether it's uh, Kahari Lee or you know um, you know any of these guys we can grab onto um, so my my joke was that the Bears Chicago should have an XFL team that's just ex Bears because the yeah. attention, the attention level would be through the roof if you got Lovey Smith to coach a, a, a an XFL team that was all made up of ex bears, that would be probably the second highest rated sport in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree right there. I mean, there's there's an ex bear on every single team in the XFL, so there's enough guys out there to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's amazing that it, there's only eight teams in the league, but um, one one there's a couple of, of additional rules on the kickoff that if they kick the ball into or through the end zone and the receiving team chooses for a touchback, the ball comes all the way out to the 35-yard line, which is why we're seeing these kicks being placed inside the 20, allowing for a return. I thought that was an interesting rule. Uh, if If it bounces inside the 20 and then goes through the end zone because the receiving team didn't choose to advance the ball, that touchback starts the ball at the 15-yard line. So really kind of interesting rules on, on the kickoff. And then, of course, we, t- we did touch base on, on the extra points. Uh, one thing that, that we didn't cover on extra points is since it's a play from scrimmage, if the defense creates a turnover resulting in a score for the defense, they get whatever the point total attempted was. So if the, if the play was run from the two-yard line and they, they take it back, it's a, it's a one point for the defensive team. One last thing, there, there's a couple of last things, Lester, that, that I think were really innovative and I love. There were headsets, not only in the quarterback's helmet, but in all the skill players' positions. There's a faster time clock, so the play gets to all of the skill players immediately and then the quarterback only has to shout out what the lines coverage is supposed to be i thought that was really really interesting as i was watching some of the games this weekend yeah i think that's something that the nfl may want to look at because i think it's a good idea to have the, the head coach in, in the quarterback's ear and, and all the, the, the skill players as well um i could see that we're to the point where the they all have they're all mic'd up the line everybody but um, that's one thing that they said the NFL is going to, they're going to really look at this. Cause the last time the XFL was around how, how many years ago, they did adopt some of their, 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 their changes they made because 
I mean, it's it's basically the NFL has a whole test season of, of another pro league. We're able to kind of see what's going on there. So th- that should help give the XFL some, some longevity as well. One thing I wanted to see that is not being uh, available to the XFL is there was talk recently about a change in the onside kick. In, in other words, you got the ball at the 35-yard line, and you had to convert what is, in essence, a fourth and 15 play. So you ran the ball offensively instead of an onside kick. In the XFL, it's a traditional onside kick, just like it is in the NFL, but you have to declare it before. You don't, You can't have the, all the, the guys run back in, where, to where the ball is being kicked. So you have to declare it before you attempt it. And I was hoping to see that fourth and 15 play. Yeah, yeah they were supposed the, to try that in the Pro Bowl, but I don't think yep. it ever happened. Like, or I didn't, I don't know, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. You, you no. couldn't pay me to watch the Pro Bowl, really. But, <laughs> um, that they tried to drum up some interest by talking about those rules, and I don't, I don't, nobody talked about it, so I don't think it ever came up. Yeah, I think that's one of those rules where the NFL is already thinking about. So if they get a chance to watch it actually happen in the XFL, you know, who knows? That may be the, the first one the NFL actually adopts. One last important rule change, or I don't know if it's a rule change, but it's it's more innovative, and it was the transparency on replay reviews. Not they they have a re, a booth official at every game, and you get to hear as fans, you get you get to see. There's a camera in the booth. You get to see what the replay official is looking at. You actually hear in real time what the, the the replay booth official is talking to to the uh, to the official on field about and it was pretty eye-opening in a couple of a couple of the replays yeah that's kind of cool that's a cool cool little thing they got going on there you know more transparency is, is always better more fan access is always better so you know that's something that really is, when you think about it it shouldn't be that big a deal for the NFL to do something like that. Uh, now, if they ever will do it, who knows? Because, you know, it's, it's the NFL. They're very secret about most of the stuff they do. But but I thought that was kind of cool. I watched some of that stuff. And uh, it's definitely it, it, it's really interesting the process they go through to get to the uh, to the result. One thing that Aaron and I talked about before we brought you online, before we started taping the show, was specific <clears throat> to the replay. And it was interesting watching the booth official try to navigate through these replay views on his computer and like toggling back and forth by a touch screen where the NFL probably can do big screens and have multiple views because they definitely have more cameras on the on the on or around the field of play. So I, I think that's a great thing. I'd love to see that implemented in the NFL as soon as this year. Agreed. The, uh, I think the biggest thing that the NFL needs to do is they have to standardize the cameras um, because that's that's something I still see that amazes me that they still don't have, you know, goal line views all the time. And, you know, you can see with the XFL, they're definitely lacking some views. Um, but, you know, it, it made me at least have a little more empathy for what the booth review person is going through, um, you know, to try to to try to figure it out and get it right. Um 
you know, but yeah, so, you know, speaking of uh, rule changes and, uh, you know, so on and so forth, the, you, you've got, um, you know, the CBA, which is still in negotiations and they're talking about uh, adding a 17th game um, and, and other things like that, you know, and, and obviously there's no um, danger of the 2020 season not being played, but we're talking about the 2021 season. Lester, are you hearing anything um, about the CBA or where that's headed or anything new about that? Yeah, I haven't heard anything new. I, I just can't imagine there being a work stoppage. I mean, this is just such a juggernaut, the NFL. I mean, they'll figure things out. You know, I am personally not a fan of the 17th game. I've always kind of thought they should do a, an 18-week schedule with two buys. I think that's probably the best way to go. That way it gives the, the, the TV networks an additional week of revenue, uh, which is, again, it's all the NFL cares about is the cash. So if you get that, that 18th week, if it's a full other week, other week of ad revenue, you're going to give the players uh, an extra buy. You can kind of set the buys up to where you know, they have uh, no teams playing on, on, a, on a short week for Thursday. I think that's the best way to go. Right. It's all about the safety. It's all about the money. And this is a, a way to kind of compare the two together. When you take a look at the 17-game schedule, I don't know how they're going to fit it in or what. Because every other year, your, your team that you're rooting for, so let's just take the Bears. They're going to have eight home games and nine road games. Then, then obviously they'd have to multi, they'd have to to swap that out and alternate every year. Uh, but how do you plan your schedule? You know? I, I, I think the plan maybe to do a neutral site game for one of these games, like some overseas or in Mexico or maybe in Canada. I mean, if that's what they want to do to, to grow the game, I think that's probably the, the best way to go about that. But again, like, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of the 17 game season. You know, I think there's other ways that teams can do to increase revenue. I think having having a, a more open practices in, in their actual home stadium can be a way to generate revenue. Um, I think you can even even you know put those games on TV. You know, I, I live in Wisconsin and I haven't really watched it. I do know that the Packers, when they have their their their, their family fest game, that's televised. That's something they put on TV. I'm not sure the kind of kind of uh, uh, ratings it draws, but I think if more NFL teams would do something like that, again, it's all about the revenue stream. You get more, more ad space. You get a chance to sell some tickets. You get some concessions going on. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I mean, what you said, I think, about the extra bye week is really smart. I don't know why they wouldn't do that now. I mean, there's such an appetite for football. You know, all you're doing is just getting more more weeks of football. And and then, you know, they want to put football on all these different nights. Now the Jaguars are playing more in London. It looks like the Bears have dodged the London bullet this, this year, um, you know, which is good. But, you know, you could have a scenario where the Jaguars are playing four games in London every year, um, you know, upcoming and kind of being like a split team. Uh, you know, I don't see why you wouldn't put in that extra bye week anyway, even if it stays 16, 16 games. Yeah. Uh, the other, I, I forgot, um, you were talking about home field and, and how to figure out that, uh, Michael, but the cool thing about the uh, XFL is that the home team just chooses. There's no coin flip, which I thought was awesome. It's like that that should that's nice. That's a built-in home field advantage. So, you know, they decide if they want to kick or not, I mean, you know, or defer. And there's you don't have to mess around with this home field uh, coin flip BS, you know, because it seems like the coin flip's always a always a little bit of a sketchy proposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Getting back to, to the 17 versus the 18 game schedule, it just boggles my mind because on a on a 17 
game schedule, what do you do? You, you, do you play just one game against all the, everybody in your conference and then two games each year against the AFC for the Bears? Whereas with an 18-game schedule, it basically is the same schedule as it is now, and then the extra two games you add is you take the, the first and fourth place teams play each other on the divisions that they're not playing all four teams against in the in their conference. So you do one, four, and two, and three each year of the other two division teams that you're only playing one game against now. Makes, it makes a lot more sense to do an 18-game schedule. And then you go from a 17-week schedule now to actually a 20-week schedule Imagine all the extra revenue there with the extra two yeah. bye weeks and maybe uh, I, I would eliminate the taxi squad or the practice squad. Uh, if they're showing, showing my age using the old uh, taxi <laughs> squad verbiage, but uh, um, just, just have all 53 men active each week. Yeah, I, I never understood why they, they have certain players in active. I know they do it for a, a competitive standpoint because, you know, some teams have more injuries than others. But that's part of football. It's part of sports. You know, injuries happen. So, you know, let the whole 53 men be active each week. I think that's uh, that just makes sense to me. Absolutely. Lester, we've got the combine coming up in about, what, uh, nine or ten days. And... Uh, who are you and your staff concentrating on wanting to see during a, during the time in Indianapolis a couple of weeks from now? Yeah, I think I'm like most Bears fans. I'm going to be really paying attention to the tight end group. Um, I think the Bears got to address that in the draft. I'm going to be paying attention to the interior offensive line. I think the Bears have to get, get a guard or maybe even another center. Um, and then, uh, of course, edge rushers. The Bears, you know, they don't have a uh, – a pass rusher opposite Khalil Mack right now. So, you know, those are three spots, you know, the Bears have a need. I'm not a big proponent of drafting need in the draft, you know, but if, if it comes up and it's, it's on the board the way it is, I think the Bears have to address, you know, those three positions in the draft. Do you, how do you feel about edge rusher in this draft? I, I don't know. I, I haven't done a lot of scouting on what's available, but um, from what I hear, you, you know, teams don't mo often find, edge rushers that end up having much impact beyond the second round, you know, and yeah. often really beyond the first round. Um, so is there anybody that you think there is in the bears uh, wheelhouse, so to speak, that, that could be had at edge? You know, there's, I think four guys from the big 10, um, you know, the names escape me this time, but I know Michigan, Michigan state, um, uh, I want to say uh, Penn State, and there's one other team that I kind of watched in the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, there, there's four guys that are kind of fitting that range. Uh, the kid from Utah, um, again, his name escapes me, but I mean, there's a few guys that should fall in that range in, in the uh, in, in the uh, in the second round. Oh, uh, the one guy I do remember is, is, is uh, Zach Bond from Wisconsin. You know, so there's some guys that on the edge that the Bears can kind of bring in. You know, they may not be able to come in and step in and start, you know, uh, uh, right away, but. As guys that come in as your third down pass rusher, I think there's some value there for the Bears to get. And then eventually they grow into a role where they can be more of a, a full-time football player, so be it. But right now, the Bears need pass rushers. They don't have anyone opposite Mac. I'm, I'm, I like Leonard Floyd as a football player, um, but he's not getting it done as a pass rusher. So you got to find another guy opposite him you can kind of work in because – you know, what was it last year? Aaron Lynch, it was Isaiah Irving. Uh, those guys brought nothing to the table. So you got to get another guy in there that's young, that has some juice around the edge, that can get after the quarterback. 
Could you see the Bears restructuring or, or signing Floyd to like a, you know, maybe like a three-year deal to get his cap hit down for this season and, and then going out and getting a, maybe a Vic Beasley or uh, some such player like that? Or do you think that's not on their radar? Yeah, I, th- I think it's possible. I think I don't think you want to have Leonard Floyd play just only on that fifth-year option. You know, if the team believes in him as a football player, which it sounds like they do, uh, they're going to want to get a long-term deal done. You know, the problem is, is, you know, that, that fifth year option, I think is 13 million. So that's pretty much where the, where, where the negotiations start. Now, yeah, you can, you can stretch it out over three years and you can guarantee, you know, a, a, a significant amount of more money, but it's all about how it fits in the cap space. And you have Mackin on the side, making a ton of money, it picks with a good deal. So the bears want to do it. The chance of them doing it, you know, may not be uh, that realistic though. When you were talking about edge rushers, I, I think you were thinking of Bradley Ane out of Utah. Yes, Ane, yes. Yeah. Yep, so, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm stealing that from your article. <laughs> okay, uh, see, see. So you're mocking, you're mocking the mocks article uh, a couple of days ago, back on yeah. February 4th, when you had um, uh, Hogue and, and Perez, they're mocked side by side. Um, Bradley Ane was uh, was on Hoag's list, and there was a kid named uh, Kendall Coleman out of Syracuse on the edge. And then I've got one more name I wanted to throw out. That's Khalid Kareem. I don't have his college in front of me. So those are those are three definite guys I want to take a look at during the combine. When it comes to tight end, to you know, it it's wide open. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of thought out there that you know the uh, the kid Bryce uh, Hopkins out of Purdue might yeah. be gone before the Bears draft at 43, but you've got you got Bryce Hopkins, uh, you've got uh, Cole Komet, uh, you've got Charlie uh, Tamopiao, I I think is how you say his name. So uh, you, there's there's some there's some options that are that are definitely out there. But it's going to be interesting to see exactly who's going to be available and what, obviously, what the Bears are going to do with draft capital between now and April. Yeah, I think a lot depends on how their board lines up because there's a lot of different different styles of tight ends. I and mean, obviously the Bears, I think they need a, a, a inline and they need a, a U tight end just because right now what they have on the roster, they have Burton who's coming back. He's obviously going to be here around again. Uh, he makes a lot of money, so it doesn't make any sense cutting him. And, and, and the hope is he's got to be healthy enough to at least produce like he did in 2018. Because if he can give you 50 catches again, if he's that, that adjuster on the field and, and you use him for one more year before you cut him, um, because there's there's not much dead cap space, you know, after this this year, you know, then you have a guy in the pipeline that you can kind of work in there and, and go from there. But another option I think the Bears have to pursue is they have to look in the, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and possibly seeing what it'll take to get O.J. Howard because he's a guy that, you know, he's played two years in the NFL. He's established, you know, you, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's a move tight end. And he has some blocking skills as well. Uh, so if you can kind of trade a, a, a low-round pick for him since the Bucks aren't using him anyway, I think that's something that the Bears have to look at. Yeah, I had kind of a, a terrible thought this morning when I woke up is that uh, here we are needing the things that Pace has proven to be kind of worst at getting, which is quarterback and tight end. Yeah. Um, it's he's been, 
He has been an absolute swing and miss guy on those positions so far. And I suppose Burton, I guess you can give him the pass on the on the on the injury front, but it, it, he, I still think he was an overpay. I mean, we're we're still talking about t- top tight ends being nine, ten million dollars, and we gave this guy who never really played eight million dollars a year on yeah. spec. You know, basically because he knew the offense. So it, it's a little frightening. I personally would would like them to go out and spend the money on Hooper or Hunter Henry and then go out and get a top guard. And, that you know, if that costs $20 million, so be it. I mean, they can cut. There's lots of scenarios where they can get the cap space up to $40-plus million yeah. pretty easily. So I would like to see them to go out and do that. You know, I, I, there's no way the Falcons can afford to bring Hooper back. And, um, you know, Henry's got his injury issues, but, and then I also, you know, Ebron, I think is out there and he's a guy that I don't think is going to get that eight, nine, $10 million. Um, but you know, it's funny, we were talking to a guy that reports on the Patriots, uh, Mark Schofield on, on my other show, and it, the Patriots are actually kind of competing for a lot of the things that the Bears want this year, which yeah. is sort of bad, but it's also sort of good because they've been a trade partner with us, you know, fairly frequently in the draft. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, they're looking for quarterback. They're looking for tight end. They're looking for, you know, um, some other things. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out. Are you going to the combine, Lester? No, I'm not going to make it down there. I think we have okay. one of our guys that are trying to work the schedule around. I know uh, last year, Jacob and Fonte, I think, was down there for a day or two. Nice. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to go again, but... Uh, we did have a guy at the Senior Bowl. EJ Snyder was there, so uh, yeah, he's, just he's gonna see if he can work something out. So, you know, we're, right now we don't have no hard plans, but if something changes, I'll let you guys know. Well, the well, NFL t- does such a good job of covering it. I mean, yeah. you, you almost don't have to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, the events are on TV. The the whole thing is there, so it's it's nice to watch. But the only thing you don't see is, uh, you know, when they're changing in the locker room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It, we we uh, we are speaking with Lester Wilfong, the editor in chief of Windy City Gridiron, the the place to go to to learn all about what's happening with the Bears, past, present, and future. Lester, one one guy we didn't touch base on as far as the combine and tight ends is is this kid out of Florida Atlantic uh, that actually is on um, Brian Perez's mock draft. I'm sorry, it's it's Adam Hogue's. Uh, mock draft as our first pick number, you know, uh, in the second round, 43 overall, Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic, you know, six foot four, almost six foot five, 242 pounds, uh, which is very similar in size to uh, one, one tight end that has made his name in the, in the NFL over the last couple of years, plays for San Francisco. Everybody knows who George Kittle is. And yeah. it's very, very similar I don't know um, as far as his body type. Uh, I do know that uh, you know the kid out of Purdue, Bryce, uh, very similar stats, and he was second in the in all of the NCAA last year in, in both receptions and yards, and he was third, I believe, in touchdowns. So it's 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 an interesting scenario, and you know we're talking about Trey Burton, and and I have to agree with Aaron. Trey Burton, if we get the Trey Burton that we had in 18 and can supplement him with one of these guys in the draft, I think the Bears are going to be real happy with that position. 
Yeah, I think, I think a big key for the Bears is finding an inline guy because it's not Adam Shaheen. You know, he never he never developed like the Bears. You know, wanted him to. He had the size, he has the strength, he has the athleticism. He just couldn't put it together on a football field. So, you know, I think the Bears have a few guys they like in, in J.P. Holtz. I think they still like Ben Broniker. But those guys are backups. I mean, those aren't, you know, starting quality, you know, wide tight ends. And the Bears need that as well as the use. So I think the Bears are definitely going to be active in the market this year for tight end in both the draft and in free agency. Let's start, turn our attention in the combine to the offensive line. That's a, that's obviously a position. In fact, you just posted an article this morning about the guard position. Uh, what do you see there? Yeah, I mean, the Bears definitely got to get a guard. I mean, right now, if you look at that, at that right guard spot, it's a hole. They had Rashad Coward filling that last year for a bunch when Kyle Long went down. And, and, and you know, I, I think Coward has some upside to his game still. I mean, he's still kind of learning his craft. But honestly, he can't be your your, your top plan going in. Uh, I, I like Alex Bars as well, but again, I don't think he can be trusted to be your top plan going in. So, you know, you got to go out again, like like much like tight end, you got to double dip. Like you got to go into the free agency. You got to get a guy that you feel you can start. You know, at, at, at that right guard spot. But then I think also the way the the, the offensive line looks in the draft, with it's pretty heavy at tackle. Um, a lot of your tackles can kick in to guard to play a little bit. But then the, the interior guys as well. I mean, there's some some depth there. The Bears can find a guy in the second round, maybe even the fourth round. They can kind of come in and, and, and push for starting reps there. Yeah, Hogue uh, actually has a kid out of LSU, uh, Damian Lewis. And anytime you can yeah. get the, you know, an, a, a lineman from the national championship team, probably not a bad bet or a bad risk in, in the fourth round, which is where Hogue has him spotted. Uh, a couple of other, there's a guy that, that showed up on both mock drafts. Uh, which was Calvin Throckmorton out of uh, Oregon. Yeah, the off, Oregon off, guy at the off, end. Offensive tackle. Yeah, like I said, there, there's some depth there. If you look at tackle, you know, uh, you know, one thing that that some teams do is they'll is they'll take the the right tackle type of guy and then, you know, play him at guard for a year or two before they kick him out to tackle because you know as long as they're playing on the right side there, you know, guard tackle, yeah, it's different techniques. You know, but if you get the guy in early enough, you work with him quick enough, I think that's a guy you can kind of get up to speed there at guard and then uh, eventually to go for Bobby Massey if he's not your long-term answer at, at, at right guard. Absolutely. The one thing that we haven't talked about, we talked about free agents when you first came on, but we haven't talked about the, the combine and quarterbacks. In fact, even on the mock drafts that we've been talking about, uh, we've got Steven Montez, uh, that's not drafted until the seventh round with uh, with Hoag's mock from Colorado. Uh, Perez actually has Jacob Eason, quarterback out of Washington, uh, as the Bears' very first choice at, at pick number 43 in the second round. And then there's a the, – I can't remember the guy's name. I don't have him in front of me, but the uh, there's a, a lot of talk in Twitter, Bears' Twitter, about the quarterback out of Washington State. Gordon, yeah, he's he's he, he comes from that 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 uh the same system that produced Patrick Mahomes, you know, and and, and Gardner Minshew. So a lot of people like Gordon out of out of Washington State. He's a guy that has some upside to Gwen. You know, it's it's a matter of, of where the Bears are picking with, with with their board, how things fall. Um, I think uh, 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 Jake Fromm's another guy the Bears could be interested in. So. Again, you got to go with a draft. You got to get a young guy in the pipeline. You know, there is no more Tyler Bray in a practice squad to kind of stash there. The Bears, until they get this position right, they got to get a, another veteran and they got to get a rookie and kind of see what the best man shakes out here. 
Yeah, Tyler Bray, I believe, is uh, no longer has practice squad eligibility coming into yeah. the 20 season. Is that correct? Yeah, he's he's he was probably the oldest practice squad player in the history of the NFL. Um, I think he's 28 years old now. His eligibility is all used up on the practice squad. So, you know, I think he may get a gig somewhere as as a, as a camp body to kind of compete for a, for a number two or number three spot. But honestly, I think his 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 NFL days are probably uh, behind him. Lester, anything else you'd like to add? For, by the way, again, thank you for coming on. I kind of got you on at the last minute, so I really appreciate you taking the time oh. to speak uh, speak with us here on the hall. Um, Anytime. It's, 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 it's always a blast talking bears with you guys. So we, we appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Lester Wilfong from Windy City Gridiron. We're going to take a pause here to hear from our sponsor, Tick Splits, and when we come back, Aaron and I will take you the rest of the way. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who isn't? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every video everywhere all right that was lester wilfong from windy city gridiron he's always the best uh check out all their uh, articles online they have great podcasts i'm a big fan of uh, uh bill zimmerman uh that they have on uh their bears banter podcast um so check them out uh for sure uh, and of course uh, thanks again to our sponsor ticks blitz uh you can use the promo code tailgate to save an additional five percent off your order uh any tickets that you need uh we've got uh, concert season starting up in um chicago and so be on the lookout for that i know that the uh rage against the machine at united center tickets are going on i'm sure there's all-star game uh nba all-star event and game tickets on tick splits as well so save yourself the service fees and go on ticksplits.com we had a uh, absolute phenomenon on tick splits uh, a couple of days ago uh, of course, the uh, Rolling Stones concerts were just announced, and uh, every every day, uh, TickSplits puts out a top 25 list on tickets that are being sold through the network. Rolling Stones concerts in 11 different cities populated the top 25 of all tickets sold wow. on, on the ticket network. Uh, so it was uh, absolutely amazing, amazing. To, to see... I mean, when we're, we're talking Vancouver, we're talking Atlanta, we're talking um, uh, Louisville, where, where the, the Cardinals, Louisville Cardinals play, uh, Buffalo, Orchard Park up in Buffalo. Yeah, so it didn't matter. They were just, they're selling like hotcakes. So go to TickSplits.com, save 5% by using Tailgate, and uh, we'll, we'll see you at a concert or, or Bears game here coming up next season. Aaron, you know, a lot of a lot of just things up in the air this uh, this off season. Uh, you know, last year when we when we had the 12 and four record, uh, and we, you know all of our our hopes were sky high, and then of course we had the regression from Trubisky. Uh, you know, it's kind of a chicken or the egg kind of a thing. Which comes first, the terrible O line play, which caused the bad quarterback play? 
you know, and, and I'm still I'm still thinking it it was that because early in the year, he, he actually had no time. Trubisky had no time to to he had to go to his first read. If he had to go to a second read, he had defenders in his face, uh, and defenses capitalized on that. You know, despite the fact that he had line problems in front of him all year long, he only threw 10 interceptions. So you you got to take a look at it through you know, and I'm I don't want to I don't want to be accused of looking at things through rose tinted glasses, but. I, there's still a part of me that thinks Trubisky can be the guy, uh, especially with this the new brain trust that we have on on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so I'm I'm still holding out, but I I absolutely agree with you that we have to address the quarterback position both in free agency and through the draft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my feeling is this like. The team is not just a quarterback away. Uh, I think there's what we've realized is that, um, you know, he, the team needs more than that. Um, and I don't think there's any quarterback amongst the free agents that you're just going to drop on this team if you don't make any other improvements. And it's going to be some great, um, you know, uh, change. Uh, so, you know, they've got to improve the team. Uh, personally, I don't, I, I don't see them getting one of these expensive uh, free agents or trading for a guy or, you know, um, you know, any of that, to be honest, I think they're going to bring in a, a better option at backup and, you know, or maybe a guy that might be more of a competitive type of thing. But I honestly, I think, you know, their hope is that, you know, that, uh, they can get Mitch to, to turn it around. Um, uh, you know, there's been some talk that, you know, that people, that there are high up people, um, who are not, uh, so happy with Mitch, um, you know, how much rumor, you know, how much truth to that there is, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I would say if you're naggy, you're you're probably starting to think about, you know, do I want to tie my success to this guy and how much longer do I want to do that? You know, and Pace the same way. Uh, I will say that I think Pace is very stubborn. Um, you know, it's uh, it's just. You know, it's you've seen it with uh, Shaheen. You've seen it with Kevin White. Um, when he is certain about a guy, he really believes in him, and he's going to keep, uh, you know, running that up the flagpole. Um, you know, a, as long as he can. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that that's that's just what I've noticed is that he's very stubborn. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. In fact, the. Uh... You know the stubbornness goes goes a long way. It it, it does show his loyalty for for one thing, uh, but does he hang on to some players too long? You know, Kevin White was an absolute disaster because of his injuries. So it was it was just tough to see this kid who looked like he should have been one of the top receivers coming out of college entering into the NFL. But then he had the bad luck with all of the injuries. Uh, Shaheen, same thing. When we saw film clips from Shaheen running routes in, in practice at college, the guy looked like he, you know, he, he looked like a running back as in far as as far as speed and agility was concerned, and it, it just didn't translate to the NFL. So he looked slow. He looked 
out of shape. He looked like, uh, you know, he, he looked like he didn't belong. And, and, and it's, a, it's a shame that that's exactly what was the case. I, I don't expect Shaheen to make the, the roster this year. And, and obviously, we definitely, they're upgrading the, that tight end position. The tight end position, when you look at San Francisco, you look at Philadelphia, and you look at Kansas City, you know, they've got, they've got all the skilled receivers, but they also have a tight end that can do everything in, in Kelsey and Ertz and in Kittle. So we need, we need a guy like that, uh, hopefully coming out of the draft, so we don't have to spend a fortune on a, on a free agent tight end. Uh, I would look to see them uh, restructure uh, Burton's contract to give us a little more cap space there as well. So um, offensive line, we talked about the offensive line with Lester. We talked about quarterback. We talked about tight end. We talked about the offensive line. What we didn't talk about is inside linebacker. And inside yeah. line, inside linebacker is is definitely you've got two of your linebackers, Trevathan and Nick Kwiatkowski, that are free agents or destined or scheduled to become free agents, and you're gonna probably not be able to keep them both on this roster. So one's going to be gone, and you're gonna need to replace him. And so you know we had some interesting play from some of the replacements. It was that Irving was one who did a decent job, but I still think that you're going to have to supplement that roster depth through the draft. Absolutely. Um, you certainly do. I think that, you know, I think we talked about before that this draft, you need guys that have uh, high floors. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's what I, I you know, want to see. I I just don't want to see Pace reaching um, the way that he has in the past. I don't know if he has that within him. I think it's his style. Um, I think, you know, but it, as as things have gone along, you know, you have he has to look at his own record and he has to realize, okay, maybe these aren't, you know, like the Shaheens and and certain things aren't working out. So I need to, you know. Um, Need to think about it going a different way. I, I I would like to see, and I and I know that they will. I would like to see them address a lot of the holes in free agency and then draft for depth, which is what most teams do. If you're going into the draft thinking that you're gonna that you are 100% gonna get starters out of that draft, and if you don't have first round picks, you're gonna that's gonna be a problem. So they've I I as I said, I believe they have to get a guard and a tight end in free agency. And then they also have to draft a guard and a tight end in the draft. Um, because you just really those positions are pretty decimated right now. Um, you know, as far as the linebacker position, um, you know, they like you know, they they definitely have to get another pass rusher. Um, I feel like the more likely scenario is that Danny T comes back. Um, and on a cheap deal, and unfortunately we probably can't afford Kwiatkowski. Um, I, I think uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis probably comes back on a less expensive deal. Um, but I think Kwiatkowski's play has sort of priced him out. And I honestly think that whoever gets him is probably going to overpay a little bit for him. Because um, I still don't really see him as like a third, a three down back. Um, you know, just, you know, that's just my feeling on him. If, if 
Trevathan is healthy. He's a he's a he's a leader, you know, uh, and I think he's a guy that that you know when he's in there still plays really well and can play three downs. I feel like the long if you have a full season at Kwiatkowski, teams are going to start picking on him on third down, um, you know, and he just can't cover. Um, you know, if they were willing to move him around and let him pass rush a little bit, maybe. But then the other thing I think that's out there that's big is safety. Um, they've got to find a safety uh, to play along Jack, aside Jackson. I'm not sold on it being ha-ha Clinton Dix. I think that his – they, you know, I think it was okay, uh, you know. Um, but I don't necessarily – didn't think it was the best fit. I'd like to, you know, maybe see them um, sign a, a more of a true strong safety, um, you know. And I, even though he's expensive, I've, you know, kind of thought, wow, wouldn't it have been amazing if we had signed, uh, you know, Teron Matthew, even though he, he made a lot of money and we just paid Eddie Jackson a lot of money. But can you imagine those two playing together, um, you know, in that in that safety, as a safety tandem would be unbelievable. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we're going to have to get a, you know, four or five million dollar safety. There's a, the kid from Oakland is out there. Um, there's some, you know, safeties in the draft. But as far as like Michael Bush, DeAndre Houston, Carson, you know, some of these guys, I'm not sold on our depth at safety either. Yeah, you make a good point there. When you, when you take a look at the Bears roster, uh, I mean, it's it's loaded with with defensive backs. Of course, Sherrick McManus went on injured reserve. Uh, you had uh, Denmark. Uh, Stephen Denmark was on the practice squad just about all year. And then you signed this kid out of Can- Canada, Roberson, in the offseason. So you've got Prince is probably gone. You had Dion Bush. You still have HaHa Clinton Dix on the roster. Kyle Fuller, of course, DeAndre Hop, Houston Carson. Eddie Jackson, Michael Joseph, Trey Robertson is the kid out of Canada that we talked about. Duke Shelley, who spent some time on the roster early in the year and then came back later in the year after he learned how to not hold on uh, special teams. <laughs> uh, and then you've got uh, Buster Screen, Kevin Tolliver. So that's, you know, that's your, so depth-wise, there's a lot of names there. It's going to be who steps up and improves year over year going into next season to fill the corner of spot that's going to be vacated when, when Amukamara is gone. Uh, and Clinton Dix was only signed for one year, if I remember correctly, or was it two? Yeah, no, one year. One year is a prove-it deal. So he didn't – I hate to say it, he, he, was, he was good, but he wasn't great. He was basically a twin – to what Eddie does, but we need Eddie to be back there being the ball hawk like he was in 18, and we need somebody like like a Matthew was to to be the stud at the line of scrimmage when they're playing single high. Right, exactly. It, I think it's a little bit hard to judge the safeties and the linebackers because of the injuries. I, I think it was a domino effect with Hicks going out and – so the the up the middle of this defense was was just weak. So you know the diminished play from Eddie Jackson, um, you know, and some of the other things was just due to the fact that the pass rush wasn't getting home, and then we were just getting beat up the middle a lot. So I think with Akeem Hicks being healthy, um, but I'd also like to see them, you know, have maybe instead of getting an edge, you know, find a a, a good um, another good lineman on the opposite side of 
uh, Akeem Hicks. You know, Chris Jones in the Super Bowl, to me, was the low-key MVP of the whole game with those batted-down balls that he had. You know, he's a free agent. Um, you know, so I like to see them get somebody like that because uh, as much as Roy Roberts and Harris was nice and Nick Williams is great to kind of spell Hicks, you know, I, I don't know if I'm sure that Bilal Nichols is going to take the next step or, you know, um, you just you have to have a guy that commands more attention opposite Mac. Um, I think Mac still was pretty productive just without getting the sacks. But, you, you know, one thing that you notice about these guys with, um, you know, like Mahomes, it almost helps him to flush him out of the pocket. You know, so so teams talk about pressures and how important pressures are. And it's like sometimes pressures can hurt you. You know, it, it, we've seen it as Bears fans for years. It it doesn't hurt Rodgers for him to get flushed out of the pocket. It sometimes makes him better. Um, you know, so you what you really need is to keep him in the pocket and have the pressure get home. So it's not always as, you know, sometimes people want to use this pressure stat to sort of say, well, look at all the pressures you got. It's like. Okay, but what happened on those plays, <laughs> you know, because then you've got some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Their quarterback rating against pressure is is astronomical. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's when Mahomes gets his his most dangerous is when he rolls out and things start to break down. So there's a kid that was signed to a futures contract that I know absolutely nothing about. But he's a tight end out of the University of Southern California. So six foot seven, only 220 pounds. Uh, he's a tight end by the name of Darian Clark. <laughs> I can't and I can't find anything on him. I've been trying to look him up a little bit while we've been talking as I was going through the, the roster. And uh, this guy could, you know, I don't know, is he, a, is he a former basketball player? You know, that that seems to be one of the things that going all the way back to uh, you know a few years several years ago when when a couple of tight ends that came into the league that were previously basketball players and made a splash that's always been something in the back because they're athletic they're tall they've got good hands so it'll be interesting to see what this kid can do as well yeah yeah absolutely um you know it's uh the team has to get better across the board. I mean, I think, you know, last year, as I mentioned that, you know, we thought there were all these, um, you know, answered questions. And now we're going into an off season that has a lot of questions again. And, and that's all right. Um, you know, I would also, I, there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft. I will not be surprised at all to see them draft a wide receiver. If, if somebody like a Rieger or somebody falls to them, um, which people might say, why, well, you're going to lose Taylor Gabriel um, and Anthony Miller coming back from that shoulder surgery. I'm not sold on that. And I'm not sold on Javon Wims that much because he, he, you know, he can't seem to get on the field. And when he gets in the field, he gets penalties and he'll make one good play. And then we're not. And then Ridley, it's like, OK, you know, we like him. But how, how come he's not on the field? You know, you have a team that's struggling as badly as it was all year last year offensively. And this guy's not on the field. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't scream that he's just this top talent that can't be held down. Um, so that I, I think, you know, you could see a wide receiver uh, if if one of these guys slips down, because the way the draft is looking, there could be five, six quarterbacks in the first round. 
Um, and that all that's going to do, that's great for the Bears personally because I don't think they're really targeting, you know, a first-round level talent quarterback. And I don't think, despite any of the crazy rumors that Pace is going to try to move up in this draft, um, that could push uh, edge, that could push guard, that could push wide receiver, um, you know, down. And then honestly, you've got to look at uh, finding another running back. You know, I mean, the Mike Davis signing was a bust, and they've got to get somebody else. Tariq Cohen cannot be, in my opinion, can't be in the backfield that much next year. I mean, he got so many touches this year. In fact, he earned himself a big raise because he had so much usage. Um, but he was, I mean, he had so many catches that went absolutely nowhere. I mean, to have that many catches and have that few receiving yards is almost impossible. But, you know, he was really Mitch's outlet. And I think Mitch didn't put him in a good spot to to get yards after the catch. And then the offensive line had no blocks set up for him to do anything. Um, One of the more interesting things this past week was all the time that Kyle Long spent on the radio locally. um, And I thought he was really honest without being overly critical about you know his own play and the team and what happened um and and he actually you know he thinks that mitch was drafted for the for the john fox dowell loggins offense and you know um he's he's almost been miscast as as a naggy quarterback you know so that's going to be interesting. The big question to me is, is did they bring in all these people to change the offense to suit Mitch? Or are they basically saying Mitch sink or swim in this offense? Personally, you know, they've got to win games. If they don't go at least 9-7, and 10-6 and six next year, then everybody really is on the hot seat. I don't think anybody's on the hot seat right now as far as the McCaskies go. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. When we were talking just a moment ago about Tariq Cohen, uh, there's another guy on on offense that absolutely was completely misused, and that was Cordero Patterson. Yeah. I I think that you know he can play, he can be that second running back behind behind Montgomery. I, there's no question because he's done it. He did it with New England, and he did it well. Uh, I think you you now move Cohen into the slot replacing Gabriel. So you really don't have to add a receiver there. You've got, I'm hoping Miller comes back and and his injury to his shoulder is now repaired. If if that's going to be, that could be another Kevin White situation where he's, he's injured, he's injured, he's injured. You know, early in the year, Anthony Miller, I was saying we, we need to get Ridley on the field because all I heard was he's running the wrong route or he's not running the right route or he's not running the route properly. And all we heard all preseason about Ridley was his route running is just absolutely spectacular. So, yeah, why wasn't he on the field? I agree with you 100%. I don't know what happened. Uh, You know, obviously the Denver game where he, he had that brain fart where he had the penalty for taunting on a touchdown pass that he didn't even catch. And then he was solely responsible for the long kickoff return because he didn't contain on his, on, on the edge, like he should be doing as a, as an edge uh, contain man. Uh, but you know, something clicked in the second half of the year. 
and he was he was tough. He was making the good catches. You know, he was doing everything that he did, that a second wide receiver should be doing for the team. And it's a shame that he got hurt on the very last. Was it even in the last quarter of the last game against Minnesota? So it's a shame because you really saw Anthony Miller turn the corner. You saw a little you, a little inkling, if you will, from Ridley in that game as well because he came in and filled in uh, pretty pretty admirably. And he, he had a couple of decent catches. You know, Ridley got called for an absolute phantom penalty. I think it was back in the Dallas game, mm-hmm. uh, which was which was Trubisky's best game of the year by far. So, mm-hmm. um, you know. You you can't uh, you you can't fault him for an, a phantom call like that. So, I just, I, like I think that wide receiver development has been an issue, to be honest, and and I don't know what that is. Um, I just feel like that other than Allen Robinson, these guys are not you know. And Gabriel, I guess it's injuries. I mean, because he's done he did pretty well, but in terms of wh- who we've drafted, I haven't really been impressed with with uh, Furry and the offensive staff's ability to develop these guys, um, you know. And if you look at the other guys that were taken in the second round around Anthony Miller, they're all good. <laughs> like Michael Gallup is better than him, and James Washington on the Steelers is better than him, and um, DJ Chark from Jaguars is better than him. And, you know, we traded up to get this guy, and now, you know, it's not just injuries. I mean, it's it's other things that, that have caused him to, to not be on the field. So it's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit frustrating, you know, because we, we were so high on all these skill position players going into this past season and to see where they're at. Um, so, you know, I, like I said, I'm glad that they, they retooled the whole staff. And I'm sure that um, all those guys, now the difference between the old um, staff with – with those guys is that they all speak Nagy's language. They all speak the Andy Reed, Doug Peterson um, language of football. So there's not going to be any of that adjustment. So, so hopefully that's, that's going to be a big difference. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't, we don't, this, these idea, this idea that, that Mitch needs to be Mahomes or the offense needs to be Kansas city. We don't need that. We have the defense. That's going to keep us in games. We just need to score 24 points a game. So however that happens, if we if we start to be a running team um, like the 49ers a little bit more, great. Um, I would love to see Patterson get used like the 49ers use Samuel. I mean, to me, that guy, you know, I, I don't, I, it's the same guy, like really fast, big, can move around, can play in the slot, can play outside. You know, I just feel like. You know, the Patterson was other than his special teams play, which was outstanding. Um, he didn't get used well, and I don't know whose fault that is. You know, I mean that that could be why Helfrich isn't here anymore to some degree. But it, it's it's frustrating when you get these weapons, you know, um, and we're so happy to have them because when Bears were so starved for that type of thing as Bears fans, and then they just don't they don't do anything. So. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of Halitech Hall. I want to thank my co-host and producer, Double A. And, of course, we can't do what we do without TickSplits.com. Make sure you go to TickSplits for all your ticket needs and save money every time because there are no service fees. And finally, the editor-in-chief of Windy City Gridiron, Lester Wolfong, 
and our, our friend here at the hall joining us talking Bears football. In the next couple of weeks, we've got some great guests lined up. Uh, former uh, guest of our show and writer on our turf football, uh, Wanda Weedman is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking more in depth about the uh, upcoming uh, combine. And we're probably going to dig a little deeper into the XFL and how their rules might make it to the NFL. And later on, we're also going to revisit the Bears Championship Belt Series. We got a lot of positive feedback. Uh, Windy City Gridiron uh, writer Jeff Burkus. Uh, will come on, and we're going to go through part two of his series that's going to take us uh, from the Great Depression all the way to 1961 and go through all the championship belt holders in, in that time period. So please uh, keep an eye out on Twitter and Facebook, facebook.com slash Hall, and get a heads up on all of the upcoming episodes and you can actually go right to the Facebook page and listen to every single episode uh, of Halitech Hall if you don't uh, want to go to Podbean or, or any of those outlets. But we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Podbean. We posted on Twitter. We posted on Facebook. We are being broadcast on SportsZone Chicago every Saturday morning. So there's no reason not to listen to the best podcast in Bears Twitter right here at Halitech Hall. Until next week, Aaron, I hope you have a great week, and we'll be talking soon. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate all support. Have a great week.